1: As the new accusations roll in by the day, new polls are coming out, too, and they don't look great for Democrats. The race in Montana has come to a dead heat, and Heidi Heitkamp and Claire McCaskill and Joe Donnelly in North Dakota and Missouri and Indiana are now trailing behind their Republican challengers. So Schumer faces a choice. Keep fighting Kavanaugh or try to win the Senate we will examine where this is headed. Then the ACLU becomes a J-O-K-E. Snoop Diggity-Doo Dog calls Kanye West and Uncle Tom for thinking. And Republicans give Woodrow Wilson a stroke on this day in history. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Oh, is there so much to get to today. So many super credible new accusations, super duper serious, uh, and actually some terrific news from all of the polls for Republicans and for Judge Kavanaugh. Before we get to that, let me feed you. Let me feed you. I've brought you into my boudoir, come into my kitchen now. Uh, I've got to talk about Blue Apron. You know how much I love Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the only reason that I still eat. Blue Apron delivers farm-fresh ingredients and step-by-step recipes to your door. Sweet little Elisa was out of town for about a week. You know, she was visiting family, so she left me a tray of ziti. That was very nice. You know, I got to eat that. If not for Blue Apron, I would be living in the gutter. <laughs> I'd have nothing to eat. I'd be gnawing on my own flesh. Uh, let Blue Apron do all the meal prep for you. Dinner in as little as 20 minutes. Quick and easy recipe options with insanely delicious flavors. It's re- I really highly recommend it because you get to cook, you get the experience of cooking, you get to learn something, it actually develops a skill, but you get s- top quality ingredients and they send you all the different recipes. So the recipes are always changing. You get to remember the ones that you really like and uh, all of them are really delicious, but uh, you, it, you don't have to go searching for this recipe and is this going to be good or that. They're all excellent. Blue Apron offers a range of recipes bursting with flavor. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. Let me buy you food. Listen, let me help you. Help me help you. Blueapron.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Blueapron.com slash Kofefe. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Get your first three meals free. Blueapron.com, a better way to cook. We got some more accusations. You knew they were coming. We all knew they were coming. Uh, A lady is uh, accusing Kavanaugh of gang rape in the 80s or whenever. She doesn't remember. Uh, This has come out before. This this is the woman represented by Michael Avenatti, which tells you everything that you need to know about her credibility. But we're now getting to meet her in person. We finally get a TV interview from her. She sat down with MSNBC. Here is just a quick clip of the accuser, Julie uh, Swetnick, giving this interview. Yeah, it's just about as credible as I expected the the testimony to be (laughs) from Julie Swetnick. I think we have a little more from the interview, though, don't we? We'll fast forward to the rest of the interview on MSNBC.
0: Things that she told us on camera that differ from her written statement last week. We've been trying independently to reach out to anyone who remembers attending parties with Julie Swetnick and Brett Kavanaugh. And we've been asking her attorney for names so far. We've not found anyone who remembers that. She's also unclear about when she first decided to come forward. Julie Swetnick says she was in community college when she started attending house parties that included high schoolers. You graduated in 1980 from high school. Correct. From Gaithersburg Public High School. So you would have been out of high school. So a Mm -hmm. lot of people have wondered, what are you doing at a high school party if you're already wasn't a high school party. These parties had everybody between about an age range of 15, 16 to 25, maybe even more. How did you meet Brett Kavanaugh? Did you actually meet him? I did actually meet him. I remember meeting him because uh, I remember he's got a very distinctive face. Very distinctive face. Did you know anything about Brett Kavanaugh? No. I just I I believe he might have been wearing a uh, Georgetown prep uniform, which a lot of the boys used to wear, at least a uniform or parts of their uniform. There are some differences well, I, I between Sweatnick's sworn statement last week so and what she told us.
1: Oh, gee, you don't say. There's some differences between her story. Her story is changing, and she's denying certain things she used to say. I love her answer though, because obviously this woman is. I th- Maybe a little bit of a kook, but also clearly just a liar, a liar through and through, and we'll get through her long history of lying. But she's such a bad liar. So they say, Well, you you were already out of high school. You were in college, community college at the time. Why would you go to a party with 15 year olds? Oh, no, there was everybody there 15, 16, 32, 47, I don't know, any number, any old number you want. I say, Well, how do you know that you you met Brett Kavanaugh? Oh, well, you know, his, that face. You know that face? And what's great about it is he doesn't have a distinctive face. <laughs> he doesn't. He's got, not to insult the judge, he's a handsome enough man, but he's got a very plain face. He's like kind of the cookie cutter young Republican, right? He's got the hair parted to the side and he's sort of, I don't know, he's not in great shape, but he's not completely out of shape. He just, like if you said, pick, just draw me a milk toast judge, you would just draw that guy. He is just the archetype of that. So he doesn't have a distinctive face. And then, well, how, how else do you know you met him? Like, what was he wearing? Oh, he was wearing a, I'm Brett Kavanaugh t-shirt. He was wearing a, uh, yeah, I remember distinctly he had this shirt that said, I'm Brett Kavanaugh. I went, how do you know you met Michael Knowles? Oh, he was wearing a Daily Wire t-shirt. He just wore that damn Daily Wire t-shirt everywhere he went, you know? <laughs> It reminds me, in Norm Macdonald's book, uh, uh, Based on a True Story, he says that anywhere he goes, he would wear a Norm show t-shirt and a SNL, a Norm Macdonald jacket, something like that. You know, that's, that's what she's saying Brett Kavanaugh did. So uh, she's also just a liar, and she's a demonstrated liar. She has a long history of making false allegations Uh, Her ex-boyfriend went on TV. I won't subject you to that interview, but uh, he went on TV and said that she, after they broke up, she threatened to fight him, go after him, get violent with him, litigious, whatever. Uh, She also uh, has tried to sue everybody for harassment, physical harassment, sexual, whatever. So she she tried to sue American Airlines for harassment. Uh, She made multiple unsubstantiated workplace misconduct claims in '94, she filed a personal injury a lawsuit against the DC Metro. I should—I used to get so angry because that Metro takes forever, especially during the summer. So she filed a got some money out of it, apparently. Then we found out that she lied in her uh, claim about the lawsuit, and then uh, she named four people to corroborate this story that she met Brett Kavanaugh you know, with that distinctive face and that I am Brett Kavanaugh t-shirt at this party. And uh, so she named four people to corroborate. So the news called these four people. One of them said, I've never heard of Julie Swetnick. I don't know who that is. Uh, Another one is dead. And then the other two didn't respond to requests for comment. So I think, according to Democrats, that makes her absolutely perfectly credible. She must be believed the new Saint Julie Swetnick of the wacky Uh, eyes. But uh, I think for sane people, we know that this woman is a liar. And it brings up an important point because what we're hearing this whole time is, why would any woman make up an allegation like this? Why would any woman lie? Why would any woman not know? Why would any woman misremember? I don't know, but look at her. Look at that wackadoodle. She clearly isn't telling the truth. So perhaps, and all of the biggest rape cases, the big national rape news stories in recent memory have been hoaxes Tawana Brawley, Duke Lacrosse, uh, UVA, so so many others. So, uh, okay, that strategy is failing. So what's the next Democratic strategy? The next strategy is he lied in his testimony. So they're saying he perjured himself. Who cares if Ford has changed her story? Who cares if Julie Swetnick is obviously an insane person? Who cares about any of those things? What matters is that when Brett Kavanaugh was called to testify... He misspoke, or he perjured himself, or he lied, or whatever. He had, he actually had more beers than he said he had. All right, I guess so. So that's the, this is their new strategy that he perjured himself, and the news media are just lying about this. They're flat out lying. First of all, first of all, it. Let's not forget, Brett Kavanaugh should never have been in this position. They never should have allowed these hearings to happen. They should have immediately voted and just simply confirmed him. Now these hearings have been allowed to happen. It may redound to Republicans' benefit, though there is some some worry still. Uh, but uh, he never should have been in this position. If someone, you know, they, they basically put him out in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee and said, uh, "Judge Kavanaugh, when did you stop beating your wife?" I didn't beat my wife. So, okay, stop getting so angry, Senator. Sound, you're getting so angry. You sound like a guy who still probably beats his wife. When did you stop? I didn't stop. I, so you still beat her? No, I didn't. I never beat her. Stop yelling, Senator. You're so, so this is the game that they're playing. Um, now, the, the question is, did, what, did it, what would he have lied about? So there are these text messages that came out. NBC News is running with this story. They said that Kavanaugh lied about when he learned of Debbie Ramirez's allegations. Debbie Ramirez is this girl who says that Kavanaugh whipped it out, <laughs> whipped out little Brett at a party freshman year in college when they were all very drunk. And other people who have been asked about this say it didn't happen. So I don't know. Who knows? I'd, again, don't know if it's true. Don't know if she's lying. Don't know if she's misremembering. Don't know if it was another guy. Certainly don't care either way about something that happened 35 years ago that nobody's brought up until five seconds ago when it was politically expedient. Um, but the Kavanaugh said... or or what NBC is alleging is that Kavanaugh said he didn't know about the accusation until he read about it in the press. But bum, 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 these text messages have come out uh, of Kavanaugh reaching out to other people, asking them if they remember this or to refute this or to go, go to bat for him. And that happened before the Ramirez story made it into the papers. So we got him. He perjured himself. He's a liar. If he's lying about this, he's lying about everything. NBC kind of buried the lead, though, which is that when Kavanaugh has already testified that he heard that Debbie Ramirez, the accuser, was reaching out to other classmates, asking them to confirm the story that she said happened or that other people said happened, and that he heard about that, but he didn't know what the accusations were. So then he was also reaching out and saying, what happened? What are you saying happened? I don't know this, that, the other thing. So he didn't perjure himself. And NBC News has updated the story. But they won't change the headline. They won't make a retraction. They won't none of that because they always do the hit job first, and they do that on page 1A. They do that in prime time before the whole country, and then they issue the retraction or the the correction or the slight change on page Z57 at 3 in the morning, and nobody pays any attention. The great example of this is Candy Crowley during that 2012 presidential debate between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. Uh, the question was whether Barack Obama called the Benghazi terrorist attack a terrorist attack the day of, or if he waited at some time. And he said, I did it the day of. Romney said he didn't do it the day of. Candy Crowley said, he did do it. He called it a terrorist attack. That day, governor, you're wrong. And then it turns out she she was completely dead wrong about that. So after the entire country was watching, After they all tuned out, and then later on, you know, an hour later, she said, oh, yeah, I got that wrong. Whoops. And so that's what NBC is doing with this Kavanaugh thing. They do it time and time again. Nevertheless, he didn't perjure himself. The other one they're trying to say he perjured himself because he said that he drank less beer than he really drank. Ah, Okay. All right. Maybe he drank a little extra beer. By the way, how much beer you drink is relative. I got to tell you, I've been around even just New York and L.A. Nobody in L.A. drinks. People don't drink a lot. In New York, people drink like fish. By New York standards, I'm a teetotaler. By L.A. standards, I'm like the caricature of Brett Kavanaugh. You know, I'm like speaking in cursive. What seems to be the officer problem. And, uh, and you know, part of that is because in L.A., everybody's smoking the Haitian oregano. But I am just trying to make the point. These things, you know, are we really going to sink a Supreme Court nominee over whether he had three or four beers? I, I don't think so. So that line of attack I don't think really works. Then they have a new one. Here's the new one. And this one is very personal to me because it involves Brett Kavanaugh when he was in college at Yale going to a lot of bars around New Haven. I've been to just about every bar around New Haven, and he got into a major bar fight. Did you hear about that? Did you hear what happened? I know what you're thinking. Guns, drawn knives pulled out, chairs getting broken, right? I've actually been in bars in New Haven at Yale-affiliated events where, like, 20 minutes after I leave, a gun goes off, you know? I mean, New Haven is not the uh, most pleasant town in America. uh, But, no, that's not what happened. It's not that Kavanaugh was there and some guy pulled a knife or a gun or pulled a a Snoop Doggy Dog and started shooting out a car window or any of that. It's that Brett Kavanaugh threw an ice cube at some guy he, that sick monster, that predator, Brett Kavanaugh, was having, first of all, the really crazy thing, because we know Brett Kavanaugh likes beer, is that he had ice in his beer. I think that's the actual unforgivable thing that he did. (laughs) That's the, uh, that's a disqualifying activity. Maybe that's how we know he didn't do it, is because nobody puts their ice in their beers. But anyway, the allegation is that he was at this bar and he had a drink and, and he took some ice and he threw ice at a guy. Off with his head. <laughs> he's out. Uh, no time for Judge Barrett. Uh, so that's the allegation. I don't know. Do you? Th- Let's. We'll do a quick flash poll. Do you think that throwing ice at a guy at a college bar is disqualifying for the Supreme Court? No. No. I, well, I'm getting. I'm. I'm hearing no from everybody. Okay. So never mind. That one's out. And then. So now he's still facing. Look. He. He said in his testimony. This has already ruined my reputation, my family, my life. I mean, it's really destroyed his career. There are practical uh, and professional consequences to this that are already happening to the judge. And uh, we will go into that in just one second. But first, let me save you a little money, honey. Just in ca- Look, just in case any of these awful professional things happen to you and your life is destroyed, you're going to be thankful that you saved a little money on, when you were online shopping. Honey is the way to do it. I love Honey. It's a free shopping tool that automatically searches the internet for the best promo codes every time you buy something online. I have been using it for years, long before they were a sponsor, long before I had a show, long before my blank book. I Especially, you know, when I was just a broke, struggling Conservative out here in Hollywood, I, uh, I I would use it all the time. I use it constantly. Honey has already saved listeners of this podcast an average an average of forty six eighty nine. And I know that doesn't include me because my numbers are way higher. But already listeners of this podcast have saved almost fifty bucks using honey. You should too. Don't be a fool. I'm giving you free money. Uh, I couldn't tell you the last thing I bought with honey because I buy everything with honey. I buy books with honey. I've e- everything on Amazon. I use honey for, but uh, but a lot of other stuff too. I watches, you know, all these kind of things. Uh, so. Uh, it has 10 million members, over 100,000 five-star reviews. Honey is the money-saving shopping tool that everyone can agree on. Get Honey for free. It is totally free. Do it right now. It takes two seconds to add. JoinHoney.com slash Covfefe, That's JoinHoney.com slash Covfefe, Honey is the easiest way to save money while shopping online. So Judge Kavanaugh is already facing professional consequences for this. He uh, He was supposed to teach a course at Harvard in the spring. Harvard has fired him from teaching the course. Technically, he wrote a letter. He said, my schedule will not permit it. But that was only after all of these alumni and faculty members and students say it would be awful if Harvard brought a Supreme Court justice to teach at their law school. Uh, They said it would be terrible. They couldn't do it because he's a rapist. Because he's a rapist, don't you know? I know that no one's even really accused him of rape, but he's a rapist. Um, We'll get to that in a second that is so despicable. I was in an event last night and it really opened my eyes to how the left is treating this. Um, so, so he lost his job at Harvard. By the way, if they actually succeed in borking him, if they actually succeed in torpedoing him, they've got to kick him off the D.C. circuit, right? They have to kick him off the D.C. Court of Appeals. How could you have a rapist on the D.C. Court of Appeals? If the allegation that he's some super secret Nazi rapist, I don't know what the allegations are now, but I I assume he's a Nazi too. Just throw the whole book at him. If the allegation is that he's a a sexual predator and and maybe a murderer, according to part of Ford's testimony, then how on earth could he serve on the second highest court in the land? He has to lose that job. He should be banished. Banished somewhere to the South Pacific or something. Uh, The ACLU is spending $1 million to oppose Brett Kavanaugh in uh, in commercials that they're already running. You might be a little confused. The ACLU stands for the American Civil Liberties Union. They're supposed to protect people's civil liberties. But the trouble is the ACLU is a J-O-K-E. So they're not doing that at all. They've gotten even crazier than they used to be. The whole point of the ACLU is to protect the individual against the mob, against the lynch mob, against injustice, to protect their civil liberties. Nobody in recent American history has had their civil liberties so brazenly trampled as Judge Brett Kavanaugh. And what are they doing? They're jumping on the bandwagon and destroying them even more. Uh, the, The ACLU has never once opposed a judicial nominee. To my knowledge, I don't think it's ever happened before in their history. And now they're coming out. They, they put up this tweet with a video. The tweet said, quote, Senators, pay attention. A vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh is a vote that tells survivors their experiences can be disregarded if they inconvenience their powerful abusers. America is watching. We will remember. So what they're saying, by the way, is that Brett Kavanaugh is an abuser. The ACLU has convicted him with no evidence, with a lot of evidence that the accusations are bogus. Uh, They've convicted him. He's a sexual uh, abuser. All these women, Christine Ford, they're victims, they're survivors. I mean, Christine Ford was almost killed according to part of her testimony at some point that she made five seconds ago. Um, They've already convicted him of it, and they're spending a million bucks to try to stop Kavanaugh, and they produced this silly, silly commercial.
0: My name is Christine Blasey Ford. I am here today not because I want to be. I am here because I believe it is my civic duty to tell you what happened to me while Brett Kavanaugh and I were in high school told the New Yorker magazine Kavanaugh exposed himself to her during a dorm room. The
1: other major development, that third accuser, now coming forward with a sworn statement. of a fourth and fifth accuser after a third accuser, as I said, came forward earlier today. It's still in the air as another woman comes forward about what...
0: It is not my responsibility to determine whether Mr. Kavanaugh deserves to sit on the Supreme Court. My responsibility is to tell you the truth.
1: With what degree of certainty do you believe Brett Kavanaugh assaulted you?
0: One hundred percent. Cancel We 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 believe we believe
1: So the American Civil Liberties Union has now the ACLU has become the a-L-M-U. I think it's the American Lynch Mob Union. That's what it is. They're the American Lynch Mob Union. They're whipping people up into a lynch mob. They're defending the lynch mob. They're trying to make sure that the lynch mob gets their guy. Uh, by the way, this commercial has all the subtlety of one of those Sarah McLaughlin commercials with the little puppies and stuff. You know, In the arms of the angels. It's like it makes that look subtle. It makes that look like it's a really sober and serious commercial. How, so they asked the accuser. Look, the accuser said that uh, that he did it, so he did it, right? Isn't that how it works? Look, hey, the, the white woman said that that black guy tried to rape her, so get him. Get him, boys. Go get him, boys. The Hey, uh, we're the ACLU. Go get him. Absolutely despicable. Absolutely awful. And such an irony. I mean, it is worth pointing out uh, how we, we talk all the time about how political correctness just inverts reality so it's always the opposite it's always opposite day for the left you know so social justice right is not justice oh they're always political correctness is not correctness they always do the opposite and it's the same with the ACLU here they are they are doing they are destroying civil liberties in this country by joining the lynch mob against Brett Kavanaugh still i don't know if it's going to work you know i i was at this event last night i was invited to be on a panel with a bunch of lefties And uh, it was at the Hollywood Improv. And it was, you know, a couple comedians that opened it up. And uh, then we had a political panel. And it was funny. Uh, It was mostly left-wingers there. But there was another conservative, the comedian Michael Loftus, who's very funny. And so we're sitting on the panel. And it's a few comedians and some political. I was one of the political guys and then a Democrat political guy. And I was struck that they, they almost uniformly called Kavanaugh a rapist. They called him a rapist. They referred to him as a rapist. They called him a rapist. Christine Ford hasn't called him a rapist. Nobody other, I mean, this wacko that Michael Avenatti dragged up that even NBC doesn't believe. Uh, she, I guess she said that he was a rapist. But even actually, even she said she doesn't have any evidence of that. She didn't see him do anything. But they, these lefties are calling him a rapist, even though no one's even accusing him of that. And even if they had, you, you, there is a presumption of innocence. But they're doing it and it's so ugly. I mean, it's so right now in, in Illinois, at the GOP office in Illinois, a bunch of vandals uh, uh, covered it in the word rape. They just wrote the word rape all over the offices. Rape, rape, rape. And it occurs to me, rapist is the new racist. Rapist is the new racist. They used, this is what the left used to do. When they have no argument, they call you a racist. They still do this. When they have no argument, they call you a, race, a racist. Now, when they have no argument, they call you a rapist. And it shows you how militant they've gotten, how shameless they've gotten, how despicable they've gotten. Ann Coulter told me once when I was in college that when a lefty calls you a racist, you know you've won the argument. Now it's gotten so much uglier. I mean, it's it was always, it used to be that being a ra- being called racist was the worst thing you could be called in America. Now they've turned it up to 11 and now it's rapist. It's so awful because we used to always say when they would call n- non-racist people racist, we'd say, you know, you're really making light of bigotry. You're really doing a disservice to, uh, the cause of, uh, Uh, racial tolerance and racial justice by calling people who are not bigoted bigots. But now they're making such light of rape that they're they're doing a huge disservice to women who actually are raped, but they don't care. They don't care at all. They don't care about women. I mean, the the real hashtag is hashtag I believe all women except Juanita Broderick and Karen Monahan and a number of others. They, they don't, they're, they're so preening about this. It's so disgusting. And uh, if I were a woman, I would be furious. I'd be furious that a crime that's this, I suppose the second worst crime, if not the worst crime, rape, is now just some little plaything for Democrats. Rapist, you're a rapist. What are you talking about? No, you are, you, I said so, you are, because I want to win this election, because Trump lowered my taxes too much, and that bothers me for some reason. It's so disgusting. If I were a woman, I'd be so... Disgusted by that, and I don't think in the long run this is going to serve Democrats. You know, when they called everybody and their mother a racist, that led to Donald Trump. That led to Donald Trump, who said, I'm, "We're not going to take this anymore," like kicking over the tables. You know, you don't get to tell, you don't get to do that anymore. And if they keep doing this thing with the, with the rapist, which is so much more despicable, I. I, I you're not going to get that blue wave, let's put it this way. And Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Cocaine Lindsey, that's my new nickname for him is Cocaine Mm -hmm. Lindsey. He has a great strategy. If, if they succeed at torpedoing the Brett Kavanaugh nomination, if he's down by, I don't know, he loses by one or two votes. Here is Lindsey Graham's strategy. What would happen if something really weird did occur and we're one vote short? Here's what I would tell the president.
0: I would appeal the verdict of the Senate to the ballot box. This good man should not be destroyed. Uh, If you legitimize this process by one vote short, we'll be unto the next person. I'd hate to be uh, the next person nominated. I would feel horrible that we destroyed Kavanaugh. So what would I do? I would renominate him and I would take this case uh, to the American people and I'd ask voters in Indiana and Missouri and North Dakota and other places where Trump won, saying who he would nominate if he got to be president
1: and see if the uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, voters want to appeal the verdict of their senator. Perfectly correct. Exactly right. And the, Lindsey Graham is a shrewd politician. Almost anybody who makes it to the Senate, with, with very few exceptions, is a political genius. Uh, Drew says all the time that the guys who make it up to that level are the all-star team. I mean, they are the ones who are really, really good at politics. And Lindsey Graham is one of the best of them. And not saying he's the most conservative guy in the world. I'm not saying he's the best philosophically or ideologically. But politically, he's a really shrewd operator. And he knows that the American people want Kavanaugh confirmed. They, all of the poll, numbers. we'll go into the polls on this tomorrow, but all of the poll numbers are showing this huge momentum in the direction of confirming Brett Kavanaugh and especially in those red states. So uh, this gives Chuck Schumer Sophie's choice. This is Sophie's choice for Chuck Schumer. He's got to kill one of his babies, which is ironic because this whole thing is about killing babies in the first place. This whole thing is about Roe versus Wade and people aren't really talking about it. We have to remind them every now and again, this whole thing is about Democrats abortion lust. It is all about Roe versus Wade, but Chuck Schumer now has to kill one of his babies. He can either keep fighting Kavanaugh or he can try to win the Senate, but he can't do both. He can't do both. If he had torpedoed Kavanaugh, if they had gotten Kavanaugh out, then it, would, then it would have redounded to his benefit. Then I think it would have been a blue tornado. But if you take a shot when the stakes are this high, if you take a shot with a Supreme Court pick in this political climate, with this president, and a pick that will shift the balance of the court, that will change the dynamic. Neil Gorsuch didn't change the dynamic, so Democrats didn't play as hard. This guy does. He moves the court in a more originalist, more textualist, and therefore more conservative direction. If you're going to take that shot, you better not miss. You better hit him. You better take him out on your first shot because if it doesn't work, you are going to royally infuriate all of those red state Democrats. And there are a number of races up now where that could really imperil Democrats' chances there. We've got all of the poll numbers and it's, it is, look, you know, I take polls with a grain of salt, but the movement in all of these different states and all of these different polls is pretty uniform. And it's, all happening because of Brett Kavanaugh. We'll get to that in a second, but I've got to say about Facebook and YouTube. We have a lot more coming up. We got to talk about Snoop Diggity-Doo Dog who allegedly shot a guy or was uh, party to shooting a guy near my old neighborhood in LA. Um, And he's he's mocking and yelling at Kanye West for being an Uncle Tom because Kanye West thinks for himself. We will analyze that. Uh, Also, Republicans gave Woodrow Wilson a stroke because they don't like globalism on this day in history and an important poem. Uh, for an, a little addendum to the stain in history. All of that and more. But you've got to go to dailywire.com. If you go there, you get me. You get the Andrew Cleven show. You get the Ben Shapiro show. You get the questions in the mailbag. You get the questions in the conversation. Blah, 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 blah. This is what you get. Oh, the leftist tears tumbler. Now, I'm not, I'm not offering you my current brew yet because I do want it to age. And it needs to age. Because what we need is for... Uh, we need for Judge Kavanaugh, Associate Justice Kavanaugh, to be that deciding vote whenever Roe v. Wade comes up. However, that case is going to be looked at again. I don't know how it's going to be. Some little baby is going to sue or something. But however it comes up, and then when that Justice Kavanaugh, he remembers, oh, he remembers Kamala Harris. He remembers Diane Feinstein. He, rem- he remembers that Roe v. Wade is an absurd decision, the worst in our nation's history. And then he is going to bring justice, the likes of which we have not seen in a long time. And Feinstein is going to go from a full human being, full of water. They say our bodies are something like 90% water. She's going to turn into a raisin. And all of that water is going to go right into the leftist here's tumbler. You're going to guzzle it down. It's going to be so, so delicious. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Delicious. Delicious. So now the rest of you, are, you're either on DailyWire.com or you're listening on iTunes, which we appreciate. By the way, if you wouldn't mind, please leave some uh, five-star reviews and subscribe on iTunes and get all your friends to subscribe. The main reason I need you to do this is because it really bothers Ben. You know, whenever I get a lot of good reviews on iTunes, it really bothers him. And this brings me great joy. And I get to sort of do a little jiggle around the Daily Wire offices. So I'd appreciate that if you wouldn't mind doing that. <laughs> uh, okay, we've got to get into these polls because the polls look great since this Kavanaugh thing, since they've been targeting Kavanaugh for, well, for all of those allegations where there's no corroboration whatsoever, you know, the Christine Ford thing where everybody she names refutes her fantasy of what went on. And, uh, obviously Michael Avenatti's kooky client who, who knows what she's thinking. And then he threw ice at a guy at a bar one time. And then he apparently had a couple beers in college and then he, blah, 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 blah. Ever since they did all that, Their poll numbers have fallen. Right now, Claire McCaskill has fallen behind uh, Josh Hawley in Missouri. Uh, Heidi Heitkamp is way behind in North Dakota. I think she's something like 10 points behind now, behind her Republican opponent. Mike Braun is ahead of Joe Donnelly in Indiana just a little bit. Um, and, uh, in, Mon- in Montana, there's a dead heat. John Tester, the Democrat is only up by four points. So close to or within the margin of error, but it's in a dead heat right now. Wasn't supposed to turn out that way. Was it? I thought it was a blue wave. Remember they've been saying it's a blue wave for like 25 years now. John Ossoff is going to win in Georgia. Remember John Ossoff? Nobody remembers John Ossoff, but they, they, uh, are, con- you know, they're constantly saying, here's the blue wave, here's the blue wave. They're a little quiet now, aren't they? Why? Because reasonable people. Don't want to see a good man destroyed over this sick nonsense. And they don't want to see Democrats make a mockery of rape, which is what they're doing. They're making a mockery of rape. It's disgusting, and they should be ashamed of themselves. So uh, great news on on that front. What are they going to do? Is Chuck Schumer or the Democrats going to keep going after Kavanaugh? Are these red state Democrats going to keep going after Kavanaugh, rile up their base, and lose the red states? Or are they going to drop the Kavanaugh stuff and try to salvage those swing states? I don't know. But those are the two choices. And I got to tell you something. I'm not sure that it's in the Democrats' interest to salvage the red states. I'm not sure it's in the Democrats' interest to retake the Senate. Why not? Well, uh, if they if they can take the House, which historically they're supposed to do, but I'm not even sure that they're going to do that, then they can obstruct President Trump's agenda to a reasonable degree. And they can impeach President Trump, which they all really want to do. They've been clamoring to do. There is no situation in 2018 where the Democrats are going to win a, enough Senate seats to convict President Trump. If Trump is impeached, he's not going to be convicted. And then what happens? Then you're in a then you're in a Bill Clinton situation where probably impeachment actually redounds to Trump's benefit. I'm giving Democrats free advice here, by the way. So you guys should. I, I know that like two of them watch this show, so they're probably not going to hear about this. But uh, I don't really see the benefit of them winning these red states. Because if they win these red states, it means they're going to have to drop all this Kavanaugh stuff and they're going to have to alienate their absolutely hysterical, childish, insane base. And look, I'm mocking their base, but their base is their base. Those are the guys that they rely on. So I don't know, maybe they won't do that. Maybe they won't, maybe they'll, they'll say, okay, sorry, Heidi Heitkamp. Sorry, Claire McCaskill. Sorry, Donnelly. Sorry, guys, we're going to double down on this. And look, it, they're in a bad situation. The Democrats are in a bad situation because they took their shot and they missed they, may, they might still get him yet, but it's not looking great. The longer the, the, At this point, the longer that this drags out, without any credible allegations, none of which have come up yet, at, at this point, it looks like it's going to redound to Republicans' benefit. Probably we should have avoided this whole thing and just confirmed him, and then we'd just be running this election on the economy and peace abroad, all of which is going very, very well. So I think Republicans also would have had a real advantage there. But where we are now... Maybe the Democrats just have to cut ship and abandon their guys in those red states. uh, I I don't know. It's up to them. They're in a tough spot. I don't really care what happens because either way, things are looking up for the GOP. Uh, In other political news, a white powdery substance was sent to Ted Cruz's campaign office. Um, So obviously people thought it was anthrax and uh, some people went to the hospital, but it turns out it wasn't anthrax. I could have told them that from the beginning because that package was meant to go to Mitch McConnell's office that was not intended for Ted Cruz, and I promise you it wasn't anthrax, okay? It's interesting, though. I think I, that Cruz office is probably going to keep the package, you know. They say, oh, I don't know. I don't know where it went. I guess we must have lost it. <laughs> say hello! No, they're not going to do that. I think he's going to beat Beto O'Rourke. Bet, Robert Francis, Beto O'Rourke, Michael John, Miguel Knowles. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I really don't think O'Rourke post as much of a challenge though. It does. The polls do say it's tight and the, the, the cycle is so strange. I guess there's a chance he pulls it out, but I wouldn't put money on it. Um, I, I do bring up, I don't just bring up the fake anthrax letter though to make a cocaine joke about Mitch McConnell. I also bring it up because it, it shows you the desperation of these Democrats and the, the depths to which they're stooping in the Trump era, especially in this election. But they've been doing it for a long time. Let's be honest about that. They've been doing it since Robert Bork, at least. Since Ted Kennedy play, did the same exact playbook against Robert Bork. He hates women. Women will die. Wah, 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 wah. wah. And uh, they... They shot down that nominee when they shouldn't have and then did it again with Clarence Thomas and they they've been, keep trying to do it again. And they, they, it's so disgusting, but they're out for blood and they're sending fake poison to Senate, uh, GOP Senate senators and Senate candidates. And what they do is they gaslight. They, they First, they, they admonish Republicans Uh, for not being polite enough. They say, you're not being polite enough. Yeah, send them the poison. Send them that poison that'll kill all of them. Yeah, go go assault them at their homes. Go out where they sleep. We now have multiple Democrats saying, go out a major Democrats saying, go out and attack Republicans where they and their children sleep. Uh, that We now have this Georgetown professor, distinguished associate professor that we talked about yesterday, saying that she wants to murder and castrate white men, that it would give her great joy. So Georgetown University finally issued a statement about this. Do you know what they said? They defended the professor. They defended the professor for saying she wants to castrate and murder Republican white men. She said, but they said she'll be fair in the classroom. She's going to be fair in the, you know, she does. Uh, look, I've been around Georgetown. There are white Republican men in uh, Georgetown who attend there. Uh, you really think she's going to be fair in the classroom? Are you kidding me? So they defend her. And all of this brings me back to to woke Lindsey Graham, to new Lindsey Graham. I don't give a darn. I'm going out there, renominate him. That's the attitude to have because the Republican and conservative Instinct is to be nice guys, is to be civilized. Fair enough. We're, we're we prefer civilization. We like being civilized. Uh, but you, you you can be uh, brutal. You can you you can be no. That's not the word I'm looking for. You can be tough and hard and punch back really hard without being vulgar. And I think that's what Republicans should do. Because uh, conservatives, what we want to do is say, oh well, I don't know. Well, let's see if Doctor Ford's testimony is legitimate. Now, well, let's see, and maybe he/she doesn't remember. And oh, you can't, you don't want to fly here because you have a fear of flying, even though you fly to French Polynesia and Hawaii and New Hampshire and here and there and there and there. Okay, well, we'll fly out to you, and they all they do this thing. No, no, don't. They say, oh, we we have to push off the vote. Oh, Jeff Flake, a George Soros operative approached me in a, an elevator, so I can't. We have to push off the vote. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't owe them a single explanation. You don't. These, these uh, Democrat operatives, the George Soros operatives in the elevators with Flake and the ACLU and Dianne Feinstein and Kamala Harris, they are despicable, and you don't owe them a single explanation. Just hold the vote. You don't owe them an explanation. The American people don't want you to uh, give them an explanation, to give these Democrats an explanation. They're playing vicious, ugly, brutal politics. They want to murder and castrate you. A Georgetown professor said it. Georgetown University backed her right on up. Maxine Waters, leading Democrat elected official, says, we should go to Republicans' houses and keep their children up at night. Don't play nice with them. Don't play nice punch them back rhetorically, not physically, very, very hard and hold votes and push right on through. Don't be nice. Be like woke Lindsey Graham. Cocaine Lindsey. Good job, buddy. Uh, let's get into uh, Snoop Dogg before we have to go here. We've got a few more. We've got a, a, actually a number of other things. We're going to run late. I don't care. We're running late today. Uh, Snoop Dogg is calling Kanye West and Uncle Tom. They, they always do this, by the way, the, the left. They call, if you're a black person who doesn't uh, toe the party line, they call you an Uncle Tom. If you're a woman who doesn't toe the party line, they call you an Aunt Lydia. That's the, that's the lady version of Uncle Tom, I guess. And so Snoop Dogg posts a picture on his Instagram about Kanye, and he says this, quote, MAGA, music ain't getting attention. I'm going to have to edit this as I go because uh, Snoop Dogg has a limited vocabulary and I'm not allowed to say some of the words that he uses most regularly, but he says, uh, make your music great again, ninja, <laughs> uncle Tom. I'm going to just say ninja fella. Well, I'll say fella, but that's the, not the word he said, but fella, I don't give a hoot. If you like that fella, you mother lovin' racist to heck you, and to heck with him. Now what? Draw the line, fella. Kanye, too, buddy. (laughs) Don't forget about him, too. To heck with you, too. (laughs) I think I confused that more than I needed to. I think you should go to Instagram if you want to read the original. Viewer discretion advised. So, anyway, you can see Snoop Dogg, really an eloquent writer. He clearly has a mastery of the English language. Very literate person. And uh, so, Snoop Dogg, you might remember him, for those of you who are not familiar, he's the guy who was acquitted of murder for a drive-by shooting in my old neighborhood in L.A. in the 1990s, even though the panel was deadlocked on the charge of voluntary manslaughter because he was totally in that car with that Guy with that gun who shot that other guy. And uh, so, what he did, this story, if you don't know about this, because we think of Snoop Diggy Doodog as some pothead who, you know, says mean things about women and posts on Instagram um, and is friends with Martha Stewart or something. But uh, he, in the 1990s, he drove by a gang member in the Palms neighborhood of LA and uh, he was there. The guy got shot after an altercation with these guys. Uh, The defense said that the victim was reaching for his gun, and so therefore Snoop Diggy Doodad's buddy pulled out his gun and shot him. I don't know, just trying to paint a picture of what kind of person Snoop Doggy Dog is. So anyway, why was he so upset at Mr. West? He was upset because Kanye West is no longer a Democrat. That's why. That's the whole thing. So here's what Kanye West said. This is what really irked him. If Kanye West said this on SNL, he said, quote, 90% of news are liberal." of TV, LA, New York, writers, rappers, musicians. So it's easy to make it seem like it's so, so, so one-sided. The blacks weren't always Democrats. You know, it's like the plan they did to take the fathers out of the home and put them on welfare. Does anybody know about that? That's a democratic plan. Which statement do you think is more coherent? Which guy do you think has a better grasp on reality? The one who said, I don't give a hoot if you like that ninja, you mother loving racist F you, him, now what, draw the line ninja, Kanye too, buddy, don't you, yeah, that guy or the one who just actually explained the history of the relationship of black voters and Democrats over the 20th century? Which one? Kanye is making perfect sense. I never thought I would say that. (laughs) But, you know, look, we got Cocaine Lindsay we got Cocaine Mitch, we got President Kofefe We're in a brand new age, aren't we? Um, and, And Kanye's making a lot of sense. So they call him an Uncle Tom. Th- this happens to one degree or another to a lot of people who, to quote Clarence Thomas, in any way deign to think for themselves and refuse to kowtow to an old order, uh, whether it be, to use Thomas's words, uppity blacks or women or any other uh, uh, group and subsection of the population that the Democrats have claimed ownership over. And uh, so you got to stay strong. I mean, you know... As Ann told me when I was a wee college lad, when the Democrats call you a racist, you know you've won the argument. Now when the Democrats call you a rapist, you know you've won the argument. When they call you an Uncle Tom or an Aunt Lydia or whatever other word they're going to use, hold your head up high. It means you're doing something right. Uh, This brings us to this day in history, and we've got to run through these things. Uh, Always art, all, all nature is but art unknown to thee, and all chance direction which thou canst not see. So on this day in history, 1919, President Woodrow Wilson suffered a stroke. He suffered a stroke, according to the history books and according to Wilson's widow, because of Republicans. Because Republicans trolled him and and triggered him so much that he actually had a stroke. I don't know that this is really why he had a stroke, Um, but in any case, uh, he had just done this tour of the country to promote his League of Nations. Because Woodrow Wilson, the imperial president, decided that he was going to govern the country like a monarch, like a dictator, and he was going to form this supernational imperial government. And we were just going to have to go along with it because he's the man. He's Woodrow Wilson. He's our our leader. So he forms the League of Nations and uh, goes around the country to sell it. And Americans just don't want it. We rejected it because we're not going to let ourselves be governed by some supernational body that has no allegiance to us and we no allegiance to it. And uh, uh, all sing kumbaya. Well, they take away all of our liberties and sovereignty. So uh, he, he had this intense tour schedule: eight thousand miles, twenty-two days. He suffered all of these headaches during the during the tour. He collapsed in Colorado, and uh, he did make it to uh, Washington, but he suffered a near-fatal stroke on this day in history as wife blamed the Republicans in Congress uh, and, and called it uh, character assassination for uh, attacking Woodrow Wilson. We're seeing real character assassination these days. What Republicans were doing in those days was not character assassination. They were trying to stop the president, Woodrow Wilson, from giving away their sovereignty and giving away American liberty and undermining the rule of law and, and the constitutional order. We're seeing a lot of these same things today. Uh, you know, this election was in many ways uh, just like 1919, just like the Republicans then who said, no, we are not giving ourselves over to global governance and giving away our liberties to ever greater organizations that have no allegiance to us and no accountability to us. Same same thing today. And we're seeing the effects of that, by the way. President Trump uh, just renegotiated the NAFTA agreement. Stock markets in all of the countries shot right up, inclu- and, including the United States. Dow gained 250 points when it was announced. Uh, the Brexit happened, and uh, what they said that the British economy was going to implode, Europe was going to fall apart. It's, both countries are doing just fine. The economy in, the, in Britain rebounded just fine. Uh, they tell us this again and again and again, and yet again and again and again, we find that the the in order of independent nation states is the greatest uh, governing system for our time, for our era. It's the best one that we've come up with. So uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson suffered this stroke on this day in history, but uh, on our day in, in history, we, we see that very idea that Woodrow Wilson was championing, is, uh, seems to have been dealt a pretty tough blow. It's going to come back up because bad ideas always come back up, but for for now, it, uh, we're seeing uh, how great it is when you can strike a, a tough blow to a bad idea. Also on this day in history, I should point out, just before we leave, Wallace Stevens was born, the great modernist poet. He was born in 1879. Uh, the reason I bring him up is I, I just really like this guy as a character. He He's a modernist for much of his life, uh, for maybe all of his life he was sort of secular. Uh, it's not like I agreed with him on everything or even very much. There is a story, though, that he had a deathbed conversion to Catholicism. Some people refute this, but there is a letter about this. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe 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 someday in heaven we'll see Wallace Stevens walking around. But uh, the reason I like him is because he... Uh, he was an artist, but he worked all of his life as an insurance executive. <laughs> so he was this wonderful poet, one of the great poets of his age, if not the greatest poet of his age, certainly up there, top three, top four. And uh, But he was an insurance executive. He actually worked a job. And whenever people ask, you know, how to get around Hollywood, how do you do this, how do you work in political media or show business or that or that, I always say you've got to work. You've just got to work. You need to have a job and just don't, don't be... Uh, Like the classical version of an actor or a writer or a producer or whatever and just wait for the phone to ring. You can't do that and and he didn't do that. He worked because man is made to work. Even in the Garden of Eden, man was made to work. So uh, there's this great poem that he wrote. Uh, It's one that in high school you used to have to memorize. I memorized it when I was in high school. And uh, I don't know that you have to anymore. I don't know that high schools even have you memorize poems anymore. But it's called The Emperor of Ice Cream. It ties in a little bit with what we were talking about yesterday, about living forever and the keys to a happy life and uh, what our life is like when we come to its end. It's called The Emperor of Ice Cream. Call the roller of big cigars, the muscular one, and bid him whip in kitchen cups concupiscent curds. Let the wenches dawdle in such dress as they are used to wear, and let the boys bring flowers in last month's newspapers. Let B be finale of seam. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream." Take from the dresser of deal, lacking the three glass knobs, that sheet on which she embroidered fantails once, and spread it so as to cover her face. If her horny feet protrude, they come to show how cold she is and dumb. Let the lamp affix its beam. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. I won't even say anything about it, I'll just let that sink in. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villareal. Executive producer, Jeremy Borey. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.
0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.